We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With the 13th pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Indiana Pacers select... Chris Duarte from Puerto Plata, Dominican Republic, and the University of Oregon. With the 22nd pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Indiana Pacers select Isaiah Jackson from the University of Kentucky. Karis LeVert, people don't realize how good he really is. LeVert, skies high for the jam. Brogdon for three. Warren lets it fly. Yes! TJ Warren is not human! Alrighty, Pacer Nation, we are here. We are at the 11th overall pick in the draft that has not been selected yet. I'm joined by Red Bauer to recap the top 10 picks in this draft before we see what the Pacers do at 13. We've also seen some trades, but Red, let's look at this draft board here. 10 guys gone, and some of the favorites for the Pacers are still there at 13. Yeah. It- you know, we thought that the top four was the top four and then everything after that was just going to be up in the air. But Toronto taking Scotty Barnes just threw this entire draft way off the rails. And now we're sitting here looking at Booty, um, Booty, Moody and Booknight both available at pick 11, which is crazy. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what Charlotte does here at 11. They just made a trade earlier tonight for Mason Plumley given up a 57th or 37th overall pick in that deal as well. So interesting move there from Charlotte to get Detroit. But anyway, looking at this draft and how it's gone, I think the biggest surprise to me was Josh Giddy going number six to OKC. And then after that, Kaminga going seven to the Warriors was not too, too surprising. Wagner going to the Magic wasn't too surprising. But Davion Mitchell coming in for the Kings at nine, that is a weird fit for me with uh, De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, I don't love that at all. Uh, It doesn't make a ton of sense with the players they have on their roster because they just took Halliburton. You have Fox, and none of those three can play the small forward, and they still have Buddy Heald on their roster. So it makes you think what might be coming next. Yeah, they've got to be a team that's still making moves. And I got to ask you, because we're talking about it now, do you wish that the NBA draft was after free agency? I see it both ways. You shouldn't be drafting for fit anyways. You should be drafting best player available. But I do understand that there's there's something to doing it after free agency. 
Right. I, 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 I see what you're saying. I think for me personally, I would prefer free agency first just to kind of see how teams are building their rosters. And I think it would really shake up the draft and who they select. Because right now teams are guessing on who they might get in free agency and then they might strike out on them. So now they're stuck with this weird roster or they might think they have a trade in place they could make. And, you know, it, it's, it's different. But I think, you know, Memphis here at 10 trading up earlier in the week with New Orleans, they got the 10th overall pick and they drafted – Zaire Williams, a guy that I know you're really high on. He's a guy that I thought had a ton of upside. Uh, I was surprised that he was going to go here at 10. I know there was some buzz about maybe him going to the Magic at 8, but Memphis trading up to get uh, Zaire Williams, maybe their guy was off the board and they just went with, you know, best potential overall. But I think the ceiling is really high for him, but it's also high risk. I love this pick for the Grizzlies. I think that it's – He's the exact player that they don't have on their roster in that he's a big wing that can defend. They were relying so much on Kyle Anderson, and I love me some slow-mo, but he's so far outside of that team's core with uh, John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. So getting a player that fits so well on that team that they could be patient with developing, I just I really like that pick. Yeah, I like it too. I mean, I wasn't sure where they were going to go. I thought maybe Moses Moody because they had him in for a private workout. But yeah, Zyra Williams was a bit of a shock to me. I did, like I said, I turned off my notifications because I was just tired of getting, you know, all these notifications while I'm trying to watch a draft live. Sorry if that sounds cheesy or not, but I just, I enjoy watching a production and not being spoiled for me. I've not done it the last couple of years, but uh, that that's where I'm at right now. So anyway, I want to talk to you about this trade the Pacers made in the middle of the draft. Woj came out with a tweet. I, I told people to message me if there's, a, if there's a trade involving the Pacers, and it looks like they traded... Four second-round picks for the 31st overall pick in this draft. Was that a bit head-scratching or surprising to you to see the Pacers do this? I shouldn't say head-scratching, but surprising to see the Pacers trade four of their second-round picks to move up to 31. I don't think it's surprising at all. But it is surprising in that they got 31 for that haul. Yeah. Like, it's that's basically a first-round pick, you know? <laughs> and I thought that there was a situation a couple of years ago when the Pacers had some seconds. They were in the draft slot to take – uh, KZ Akpala, but Miami came in and gave them all of those second round picks to get out of that spot. So it was just really interesting to see the Pacers kind of flip that script, go get 31 overall for a couple second round picks that they didn't have roster spots for anyways. Yeah, that to me, it was a it was a great transaction. I mean, I absolutely love the fact that they got rid of, you know, the 60th overall pick and the 54th pick in this year's draft. I wasn't too sold on it. I mean, when you're picking dead last in the draft, you might as well just sign an undrafted free agent at that point. Um, but but to me, yeah, 31, that's a great value because that contract for second rounders is so much different than the contract for first rounders. I'm not exactly sure how it works. But I, I think it's where the Pacers can kind of sign the second rounder to whatever deal they want to, where I think in the first round, it's kind of like guaranteed money. Exactly. And J. Michael put something out as well, saying that Cassius Stanley's future with the team may have ridden on what they did with those picks. And so it seems like they consolidated those enough to where Cassius Stanley will probably stay with the team, which I think is a pretty good deal too. Yeah, no, I uh, <laughs> I think that's a great uh point that he brought up there because Cassius Stanley is a guy that I think a lot of fans were excited about last year. Very athletic, didn't get a lot of playing time. I don't really see playing time coming for him this season either under Rick Carlisle, but I think that he's still someone that's talented enough that you maybe just invest in him a few more years and see what you can get out of him. But here we are, the 11th pick is in. Uh, 
who are the Hornets taking here at 11? Have you seen it yet? I have seen it, so go ahead. I, I, I have not seen it. My, I'm streaming it, so I'm behind. Right. So spoil it for me. James Booknight. Booknight at 11. Okay. Book, that's Yep. So it's down to the Spurs. I hope they take Sengun. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be great. I think that that would be a good fit for them as a big, but I also don't know if I'm them, if I want to take a big at pick 12. I know they have a bunch of guards in Derek White, Lonnie Walker, DeJounte Murray, and then some wings in Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson. But I just think you, you should probably – I don't know. I just struggle taking bigs at 12. Yeah, I kind of agree with you there. I know that some fans are really enamored with Kai Jones. I've seen some Spurs people talk about it. Uh, Jeff Garcia from Locked on Spurs actually picked Kai Jones for them in the ultimate NBA mock draft that they did. I thought that was a great production, by the way. But, yeah, I, I mean, that is intriguing to me. So we'll see what happens. Moses Moody is the guy that I really want. Is that who you want at 13 right now? I it would either like Moody or the very publicly talked about Cam Reddish trade with Atlanta to move back to 20. But I also understand that taking Moody, getting his rookie deal, getting him in here is uh, it, it makes a lot of sense, especially if they don't know who is going to be there at 20. So it could be something where they make the pick and then wait to see who they're at 20 and then uh, make a move after that. All right, so let's look here now. Uh, as we're getting ready for the uh, the Pacers pick, do you think they're going to make a trade? I mean, that's the thing. I've, everything that I've read is that they could make a trade come when their time is on the clock. So I just I'm curious to see what happens. But that trade with Cam Reddish does make some sense. We've also heard about maybe OKC in New York being teams that have called up to trade up. But I also think that Corey Kispert and Chris Duarte are going to fall a little bit. And I'm also curious what Washington does now at 15, because they're the ones that I believe everybody thought Duarte would not get past at 15 after trading Russell Westbrook today. Yeah, there's a lot going on over at Washington that I'm not sure what to take from any of it. But uh, yeah, I I do think that Duarte and Kispert are two guys that are going to go from 13 to, to 16, it seems like, maybe 17 with New Orleans there, just because all of the teams in that range want to win. And those guys are the most ready to play just because they provide that spacing. But I just don't really want to take Duarte or Kispert, unfortunately. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to just throw it out there in 2000, I believe it was 17. Yeah. 2017 when we drafted TJ leaf, I remember watching that draft from the beginning. I was actually out to eat with my family at a Mexican restaurant. I'm watching it on my phone because there's so many rumors about Paul George Maybe we could get the third overall pick from Boston for him. I'm thinking, oh, my God, we might get Jason Tatum. And then we get to pick 18. I see OG Ananobi on the board. As an IU fan, this is someone I thought was going to be a really good basketball player in the NBA, and I think that he's proven that he's a really good basketball player. I was just so like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe OG Ananobi is still on the board. And John Collins, like, they can't go wrong here. And then they drafted TJ Leaf. And the utter gut punch that I felt, I was so sick to my stomach when I saw that. I just never believed in TJ Leaf. Uh, I don't necessarily feel that way exactly about Corey Kispert, but if he is the guy they take at 13 and Moses Moody is on the board, I will absolutely be sick to my stomach. I could not agree more. I just don't want a player who can contribute now like that. Like if that's the best thing you can say about them is like, oh, they're ready to come in and contribute. The that's just not enough 
for the 13th pick for me. It should be something about this player can develop into a starter. This player has a high ceiling. You know, there's, there's a balance of getting that high ceiling with that floor that's realistic so you're not completely wasting a lottery pick. But I just don't want to take a player who is a Doug McDermott replacement, even though we love Doug. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. It's just like you're not in the lottery very often, Indiana. You got to take a risk on somebody here. Is there somebody you think that might be worth the risk here at 13 that we haven't talked about already? I thought Zaire Williams might have been worth the risk, but it looks like uh, J. Michael also said that Zaire was a bit too raw for what they were looking for, which kind of signals to me that they are going to pick somebody who's a bit ready to contribute now, which I think Moody can, but that's definitely Duarte and Kispert. I don't really know. I know Tony East is a huge fan of Sharif Cooper, but I'm not sure I would love that pick here at 13. Seems like somebody you could just trade back for to 17, 16, anywhere in that range, get a smaller asset and hope that he's there then. What about Jalen Johnson from Duke? He's a weird player. I don't know what to make of him. I I watched a little bit of him, try to get a good feel for what he's going to be. And I think he's going to require a team built kind of around him or, or a team that surrounds him that can best suit what he does. And I'm not sure that that's the Pacers right now. Yeah. I think I agree with you. The upside for me is there because I know that he's had some really good, you know, college games, although he only played 13 of them. It was a weird year for every single college player. I mean, every time we talked with one or they were in an interview talking about going through this COVID year, I mean, it was a weird year for everybody in NCAA basketball, as well as the NBA. Just a very odd year. We've seen a lot of movement. So real quick before the Spurs pick, the Pacers will be on the clock in about uh, two, three minutes maybe. What was your overall thoughts on the Russell Westbrook trade to the Lakers? I do not like that fit in Los Angeles when it comes to playoff basketball. I think he's going to help in the regular season, obviously, because LeBron and AD can just take their time and not have to play as many games, but I just don't, I don't think it's great for, for what the Lakers actually need. That spacing is atrocious. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. I, I absolutely hate it for LA. It's a lot of money to put on the books for next year. I know he's a free agent the following year. And honestly, I think that could be part of it because isn't his contract up after this season? Westbrook has two more years. He has two more years. This year and then next year, I believe. Yeah, I, I don't know why I was thinking he was a free agent. The following year, I think it might be a player option, but we know he's not opting out of that. So, right. Yeah. So I was just thinking because the 2022 draft or the free agency class is supposed to be much more intriguing than this year's because this year's is pretty putrid. If you're looking at who's going to be available, maybe Kawhi Leonard, but I, I don't know where he's going to go. I would expect him to go back to the Clippers knowing that he's got that injury, but you never know with him. He's interesting. So the Spurs pick is in. Um, are you going to break my heart here with who they picked? I am staying silent. Oh my goodness! I uh, okay. I uh, I am so nervous right now. I don't know how to respond. I wish I had my notifications on right now. I I do have Twitter pulled up on my computer, but I will not look at it. I'm trying to avoid it. I am uh, eagerly awaiting who they pick. So this is a little bit of dead air time right now. But um, let me just ask you this: Do you like the fit for the Spurs? I am absolutely shocked at this player being picked here. It, uh, I don't think this player was projected to go into the first round. So that is not Moses Moody. Okay, okay. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So Josh Primo went 12 <laughs> to San Antonio. Josh Primo. Okay, and so. 
yeah, Adam Silver is not even out to the uh, out to the podium yet for me on my streaming, and that's how slow AT and T TV is sometimes. He is walking out now. Uh, I'm getting Twitter messages saying, "Oh my God, Moody's there!" <laughs> so, oh man, if we don't trap Moody, man, I'm gonna freak out. Josh Primo, wow, that is such a high uh, pick. Woj just put out Indiana is thrilled at the idea that Quistuarte is available at number thirteen per sources. Oh God, no! So, it, it might be happening. Oh, come on. What are we doing? This is ridiculous. Chris Duarte over Moses Moody. The dude is 24 years old. It hasn't happened yet, but... Come on. This is ridiculous. What? Oh, man. What are we doing? Oh, I, It has to be a trade back. It has to be. You, you take Duarte because you know people want him, and then you see who's there at 2022. Indiana is picking Chris Duarte at number 13. Shams just put out. I know I spoiled it, but I cannot not talk about it because that is utterly ridiculous with Moody there, in my opinion. Oh, what are we doing? I'm so mad right now. Everybody's tweeting me, Moses Moody, come on down. And now I'm getting messages. Oh, my God, they're literally taking Chris Duarte. (laughs) What is happening? Oh, my gosh. I can't even talk right now. This doesn't make any sense to me. While no. we are taking Duarte over Moses Moody, I just the dude. I, it's it's got. I'm I'm gonna be optimistic and keep telling myself it's for a trade because this makes Moody's the guy. Like he was there. He's literally right there, and they're gonna take Duarte. So maybe maybe there's something else happening. Trust in KP. Hopefully, I'm Please. not trusting in KP. If, if Rick Please. Carlisle's calling the shots, then I can see why they take Duarte. I mean, just, he's not. I wanted Duarte over Corey Kispert. Okay, yes, that is so, for sure. But with Moses Moody on the board, like, I don't think Pacer Nation has been this, you know, in sync about a guy that everybody has wanted. No, no, definitely not. It's it's very rare to see everybody on the same page, and it's especially rare to see a guy in Moody who people thought could go seven to the Warriors. If Kaminga goes five to Orlando and the draft breaks down how it's supposed to, there's a very good chance that Moody goes seven to the Warriors. And that's just, it's just crazy to see how these dominoes fall. But I, yeah, I, I would be very ecstatic for if I'm the Warriors to be getting Moody at 14, if I wanted to. Yeah, that, I mean, the Warriors, man, they are just making bank right now with this. I mean, Kaminga obviously is not a guy ready to play, but Maybe this is why they got 31. Maybe there's a team they know that, that wants him at 13, like the Knicks. They have 19 and 21. Maybe they're willing to part with 13 and 31 for 19 and 21. I don't know. We'll have to keep an eye on that. But if they're not trading the pick and Moody's on the board, I'm like, this, I, I told you, this is exactly how I felt when they drafted TJ Leaf over OG Ananobi and John Collins. Yeah, I, I mean – you wonder why again, I don't want to keep I don't want to be negative because I want to believe, but you wonder why a team's gonna be in mediocrity. It's because you're taking a 24-year-old shooter. And Duarte's better than Kispert. He's not just a shooter, he's pretty good defensively and he doesn't take plays off. So there is he started basketball late, so there is some upside, but come on, man. All right. Well, Chris Duarte is the guy. So I guess we gotta I mean, I think he's gonna help. Okay, so I really actually think he could be someone that plays for this team. If he is not traded, I think he could actually be somebody that helps them in the short term. But, you know, age, I get it. I've kind of gotten tired of hearing the age comp, and I know I've used it before, but this is uh, this is just surprising to me. I'm just 
utterly stunned with how the draft has fallen, like primo to third or 12 to the Spurs. And then the guys there that we've all been wanting and they don't take him. Like, I just, I mean, he's not as bad as TJ Leaf. Like I said, like he's actually a good basketball player. And I think he's going to help them in the rotation, but this, this has got to mean that they're making more moves later because there's no way this roster can run it back and just add Duarte. It just seems like a little bit of a play it safe here. Yeah. And that's been my entire thing is we're not a Chris Duarte away from being good. Like we've got so many other things that we need to be trying to figure out. And it just, it, it's just crazy to me. So I, I'm, I'm just hoping that once we get to pick 20, we'll get the Cam Reddish news and everything will be okay. Yeah. <laughs> man, I don't, I mean, if the Hawks trade up for Duarte and we got 20 in Cam Reddish, I'd be okay with that. But man, I just don't see it happening. Uh, Oh, man. Maybe it is the Knicks. Maybe it's we get 19 and 21, and we've got to have Sharif Cooper at one of those picks. That's what we're waiting on. I I don't know. Again, just trying to be optimistic because otherwise this could get dark fast. It really could. Let's let's take a quick break so I can gather my thoughts because I am shaking right now. I've been nervous about this pick all night. I I don't care. I'm a fan. I just I've been nervous about it, and this is not this is exactly what I didn't want to happen. So I've got to gather my thoughts. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so we've got our thoughts all kind of together here now. We've let it, you know, set a little bit. The Pacers have selected Chris Duarte, 24-year-old shooting guard small forward out of Oregon. And joining me right right now is Dave Cyril from at Miller Time Pod on Twitter. Dave, what are your thoughts on this pick at 13? Well, this is this is an interesting one for me. I mean, it, the, the draft is always a little difficult to get a grip on for me. Um, I think that usually there is maybe a couple of guys that pop out and seem really interesting um, at a particular draft spot. Sometimes there isn't one, sometimes there is one. Um, This is kind of one of those years where for me, honestly, there wasn't really a perfect one that I thought this is like the guy. Um, I know that that runs counter to 
some corners of uh, Pacers Twitter, so to speak, that they they absolutely loved uh, Moody. Um, I'm in I that corner. I wasn't really one of those guys. Um, I've seen him play, and he looks like a good player. Um, I th- I mean, it's I, I think it's maybe just a combination of age and wingspan. Is that my that's my guess as to why people were so Moody specific and Moody centered. Um, you know, obviously I'd, I'd love to hear, uh, everyone's thoughts on him as a player. Um, uh, but this is a really interesting pick in the sense that, you know, I, I obviously not very many people this old have ever been really drafted in the first round. Obviously that's a big differentiator. Um, you know, they kind of showed a list a little bit of people over a certain age. And I think like, you know, it's kind of Dikembe Mutombo and a bunch of guys. Um, and so, I'm assuming that's one big alarm bell for people. Um, and I think that there is um, uh, fair to say uh, uh, reasons to do so. You know, obviously, if if someone's playing that well against college competition, that's cool. But also, how many people could also do that? Um, you know, if um, I think it's Devin Booker's, what, eight months older than him, I think is what they said. Um, and so that kind of shows you the difference of guys who get to college real fast and jump right out versus uh, maybe he's able to play a little bit better because of um, the age. Um, you combine that with the wingspan. I know that's obviously a big draft thing and it is for me too. You know, you uh, I think that's usually a fairly good indicator, especially for wings. Um, he doesn't seem to have a particularly outstanding one. Um, he seems to play well in college and, and make plays and, and shoot the ball, obviously extremely well. He, he scored extremely well in, in his uh, last year in college here. Um, and I know that um, it seems like this is going to make you probably want to chop your own head off. Something that they saw a little bit in TJ Leaf in the sense that he scored, you know, he shot, well, he shot 47% or whatever in college. Um, so that seems to be something important that the Pacers – Uh, keep an eye on is just how well you performed in college. I know Kispert was another guy that was on their radar. um, And he was another guy that, that shot it extremely well um, in college. Um, If I just look at tape, I don't see a ton of difference between these two guys, but of course, in the long-term history of the draft, if you have a chance to take someone who's younger and who has maybe better physical traits um, particularly in, in wingspan, it seems like a better bet. Um, I generally, um, one of the big things that I like out of a draft pick, and I know this may seem a little dumb, but just as guys fall, you know, if, if they're supposed to be picked seven picks earlier and they end up uh, dropping down uh, to that spot, um, usually that ends up working out pretty well. It's only if there's some really weird thing about them but even with Danny Granger, you know, he fell so far because of physicals and he did his knee uh, failed and, you know, he only he had a truncated career, but it was still well worth it at the pick. Um, you know, anytime you get a guy that falls a lot, that's what I like to see the most. Um, and so you saw Moody kind of check off those three things. Um, and so that makes it something that, you know, if I had to make that pick with the very limited knowledge that I have, that would have been, been the guy that I went with. Um, but it's also worth noting that, you know, with like Durarte, um, a lot of teams reportedly try to trade up to get him. You know, like this is a guy that the Warriors had a lot of conversations about pick 14 because people wanted to trade up and get that pick. Um, and so I think that's something, something that kind of balances with a little bit in the sense that, 
you know, if they would have taken Primo or something. <laughs> yeah, that you was know, out of left field. <laughs> they kind of always trust the Spurs, and so, you know, they can do whatever. But, like, if they if the Pacers have taken a guy like that, it's a little bit different. But it is comforting to me knowing that in a lot of – that's because that's another thing, honestly, that I'm constantly looking for in draft analysis, a little bit of meta draft analysis, which is how many teams – are talking about a guy, how many teams are working at a guy, how many teams are trying to make a move with that player in mind to acquire. And honestly, one of the guys that you heard the most movement about was him. And, you know, of course, people are trying to trade into like the middle of the pack um, uh, with uh, draft picks in order to get him. And so it's not like they're trying to trade at the five to snag him or something like that. Uh, But that's the other thing that really appeals to me out of a draft pick. And you see that. Uh, with Duarte. So he's got some things that I like in a pick. I hate to anal- analyze it too much based off of like who might have been there versus who is there. Uh, but in the sense of is is he a decent pick at the spot in a vacuum? It seems like a good idea. Um, Moody, um, Moody doesn't pop out to me on tape, but like, of course, he said those physicals and the age and all that sort of stuff does make it where if I was at the controls with my limited knowledge, I would have hit the Moody button. You know, you mentioned that teams trying to trade up for a guy generally means something, but I think that there's also the consideration of where those teams are at. Like if the Lakers and the Warriors and, you know, like good teams are trying to trade down for this guy, it's because he fits their team very well. And I, I mean, Duarte does fit because he's a shooter and he, he can defend and all of those things. But like, you also have to be realistic about where your team is and what you should be doing with that pick. When Chris Duarte is coming off of his rookie contract, he will be as old as Doug McDermott is right now. Yeah. Like, that's, that's what we just, so that's kind of where I'm at. I, I mean, yes, there is some value in taking a guy people want to trade up for, but at the same time, your team is not in the same situation that those teams are in. And there's definitely something to be said with getting a guy in Moody who could have an extra three years in an NBA strength conditioning, NBA trainers and all of that stuff versus taking Duarte, who's going to have his first year in the NBA at age 24. And it's something that's not a huge consideration, but, you know, the Pacers have a lot of talent that's kind of entering a prime they have an opportunity maybe to add a guy. We'll see if he's a quality NBA player. But if he is, he's going to get his prime quicker and he's going to be a lot cheaper. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, in, in the sense of I'm not thinking like Simon Pocketbooks when I'm saying that. I'm thinking like the cap. Yeah. You know, and your ability to squeeze in guys like that. You know, if, if you're waiting on Moody to kind of put it all together and then you're paying him, you know, $15 million a year once he starts to figure it out so he can kind of come off the bench and be a guard. You know, there's maybe some uh, risk of that. Um, and that's something to consider. I don't think that you should make a draft pick based off of that, but we're just kind of making points as we're sort of figuring out who the pick is and, and saying our initial thoughts. Something worth putting out there that if he's able to – because he's because this was his response. If he was asked about his age, he said, well, do you want to wait? for some 18 year old kid to be as good as me in five years, or do you want just me to play on your team right now? Which is a, you know, I'm sure that's a, an agent crafted pitch. I'm not a bad answer to that. I'm glad he came prepared to answer the question, but you know, but there's some truth to that. Like if, if he really can play right off the bat, you know, if he's 
especially in year two, that you get three years on a rookie scale contract of a guy who could be a solid uh, bench player, uh, maybe plug into the starting lineup. Um, there is, again, not a deciding factor on how to make a pick, but there is some value in that. Yeah, I, I want to jump in here real quick because honestly, like, I don't think this would have – I wouldn't have been as upset about this pick if Moody hadn't been there because that's just the guy that I really wanted and someone I've been talking about with different people for a long time and everybody just – a lot of people I talked to had him in their top ten in terms of, you know, where they thought talent-wise he would be in this class. So that's why I was all in on him at 13. I just – I didn't think he was going to be there. So the fact that he was there, we took Duarte, and I know Rhett mentioned that he's 24 years old. That definitely is something that, you know, it's – it's a bit eye popping. You're like, yeah, he's 24. But I think Rhett, you brought this up when we took our little break off air. You said the nice thing about Duarte, unlike TJ Leaf, you know that he can play, and you know that he can probably give you some actual rotational minutes in a you know in the regular season. I think that TJ Leaf, there wasn't enough time really for him to get an opportunity. But I just think that he regressed when he was here. I, I wasn't really in you know in love with how he developed on this team, and so. As a team that's not known for developing, Duarte does make sense in that regard. But I also think the Pacers have had a track record here looking at guys in the Pac-12 that they like because Aaron Holiday, T.J. Leaf, and now Chris Duarte, three of their last four picks have been Pac-12 guys. I think that's interesting as well. But how has that worked out? Well, it's not worked <laughs> out great. But 17.1 points per game last year, shot 42.4% from three and 53.2% from the field. 81 free throw shooter. I think that if you look at his numbers, you can see where he is an impactful player. Uh, it just, this is a guy that I would prefer to round like 17, 18, maybe not in the lottery because the Pacers usually pick this high. So at the end of the day, they got somebody I think that can actually come and help them play. It could contribute to their, you know, their future. I don't think it's the worst pick ever. I like it better than Kispert. I like it better than some of the other guys that could have been there on the board. It's just, with Moody on there, that's why I was a little bit overreactionary to it. But here we are. He's our guy. And I think that moving forward, I think he can be a part of the rotation and, and you know, be a solid player for the Pacers. It's yeah. worth having kind of the long-term view of the draft where it's easy to say, oh, Booker or, um, you know, Mitchell or whoever you want to say. I mean, you can throw Kobe Bryant in there, but he held out. I mean, there's a reason why he went that, that low, but like, there's like sometimes been that guy around 13, 14, 12 that turns into like a legit like all NBA guy. Do you think Moody has a chance at that? Um I don't know. Maybe. That's that's a tough question. Or that's a tough yeah, that's a tough question for me to answer. Cause I I think that he could be. I, I just feel like he's more of a starter level player than he is a exactly. bench player is what I think Duarte is. I think Duarte is more of a guy that you rely on to come off your bench and be a rotational guy where I think Moody could be a starter on a playoff team, not necessarily the guy, but could be a little bit more of, you know, a, I think he has a higher ceiling. I should say, I think the guy that right now in that, in that range that could become that day, uh, that uh, Donovan Mitchell, or that Zach Levine or whatever. I think that's book night falling to 11 to Charlotte. I think that's somebody yeah. that could become that. That's that's the only thing I'm saying. Like Moody, I didn't think book night was going to be there at 13. So that's why I kind of gave up my hopes on him. So with Moody, though, I just feel like his ceiling's higher than Duarte's. And I, the age thing is a big thing for me, along with the wingspan. I just feel like he's a guy that could have really grown and developed into a quality starter for the next couple of uh, seasons. 
Yeah, and I think that that's important to kind of contextualize because I think that if you convince me that Book Knight has a like a much higher ceiling and has maybe that chance to get into that truly high area that are that are worth uh, kind of hand wringing about, that would have been harder if he was there and they didn't take him, and that would be a different conversation to me. But I think it's worth saying that I'm totally cosigned the idea that Moody might have a higher ceiling. Mm-hmm. As we discuss this further into the summer, and people go nuts tying themselves in the knots in this before they even see him play, think about what is that distance of that ceiling? Is it really because I mean it's easy to say he has a higher ceiling, but if he has if he's gonna be maybe slightly better, is he gonna be slightly better? Is he gonna be a lot better is he and he said like he might potentially be a long-term starter for a team i mean that that's cool but it's i think it's important to keep that in context because it's so easy to throw that out oh he has a higher ceiling but like how high is that ceiling what does that mean and what is it really worth hand wringing too much about um I, and i'm not saying that it isn't but i'm saying it's easy to have that conversation throw that 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 uh talking point out there and not think about it um, in terms of like what that difference is, um, it's that's worth thinking about a little bit. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I think it does. Red, do you have anything to say on that? I just think if if there is some difference in the ceiling between Duarte and Moody, with one being a starter and one not being a starter level player, then you take the one that has potential to be a starter. Or, and I'm sure that they were doing that, looking to move back and potentially get some assets in in exchange for that. Because I just think it's a bit. I, I'm not. I don't know. What, what is word. it about Duarte? What is it about Duarte that makes you think that he will never be a starter? Oh, I don't know about never. It's just the the age and the ceiling. I think are yeah, just. Yeah, it's just tough. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to have anything that he's going to be exceptionally good at at the NBA level to where you are excited to start him on the Pacers. On the Pacers is the context that I think matters the most about this because the Pacers are going to when we know this with five above average starters and I'm not sure Duarte fits into that profile, but again, if he was your best player on the board at at 13, then, then that's perfectly fine. It's an interesting, I mean, when we hear them talk about this pick afterwards, we'll be looking for kind of key indicators of whether we think he was the best guy available or he's playing right away. Like what, what's going to be the, uh, the emphasis on that? Um, will tell a little bit about what their kind of mentality is. And, um, I mean, it's entirely possible. They just don't think Moody is going to be good. I mean, you never know in that particular thing. But the way that they speak about that will inform us a little bit on that. I think also, too, like, you have to look at Moody. This is a guy that you didn't hear anybody saying they were going to trade up for, number one. Number two – he got passed up. He was, he was being mocked in the top ten. But like what I'm saying the is, Warriors at seven. So all these all these yeah. teams that you know were ahead of us, though they didn't take him either. So I don't yeah, know. Absolutely. I mean, there there. I don't think Moody's game is perfect, and I think that I was a little bit you know just stuck in a corner, like I can get sometimes because I'm like that's the guy I want. I'm just sticking with it. I'm going to be on uh, the Moody train all year long, and so or all draft season long. But I just. You know, I, I think honestly, Duarte is a guy that can contribute. I think he's going to be a fine player in the NBA. I don't think he's going to be a bad player. So it's not a bad pick. It's not a wasted pick. And at the end of the day, if his ceiling is somebody like Doug McDermott, then it's 
not a bad pick, but I think where you get a little bit of hesitation is because the last in the Pacers were at 13th. They picked Tyler Hansborough, uh, a guy that was uh, one of the oldest guys in the draft. If he wasn't the oldest guy in the draft that year, and he was a guy that you thought could can come in and contribute right away. And he contributed somewhat. He at least played in the rotation for a couple of years. I don't think he was ever, you know, worth that 13th overall pick when you look at who went behind him. And I think that's kind of where some of these comparisons can come in here. And I know, Dave, we talked about Tyler Hansborough a little bit the last couple of times we've talked. And, and you see some of those guys looking back at it like, man, we could have had that guy instead of Tyler Hansborough. But at this point, I don't think the Pacers had a had as big of an area or a position to address in this year's draft as they did the year Hansborough was drafted when they really needed a point guard. Yeah, and I think that, you know, part of the Tyler Hansborough thing was uh, Larry Bird's obsession with personality at the time yeah, um, and yeah. motor. Um, I think that, that that motivated that more than anything else. And he had the kind of – well, it seems like a former player executive thing. Uh, they do this all the time. Like, I, I don't care about these other guys. This guy's got, like, the guts to do it, you know. So um, they seem to fall in that trap a little bit. And I think that that was uh, part of that motivation. But I'll say this. I hated the the Hansborough pick. And I hated the, the TJ Leaf pick. Um, oh, me too. Oh. I hated the TJ Leaf pick. Oh, I was so sick. <laughs> but I don't hate this. And... I honestly think it's a little bit more – like I said, I'd hit the – Moody would be my pick, but like it's not that big of a difference. And if there wasn't this like massive um, you know, Pacers Twitter movement to pick the guy, it wouldn't think that much about the fact that they went with one or the other. I'm like, oh, I guess they just don't think this guy could play that well. Um, I, I, uh, I wouldn't put that much emphasis on it if it weren't that, for that because I like Durarte as a player. And that's a difference between this pick and maybe some other picks that the Pacers have made um, over the last 10, 15 years or something, the ones that I didn't agree with. Uh, like, okay, the ones I didn't like. Sean Williams, I was like, what? what? Who's this guy? <laughs> Solomon Hill. Yeah, ugh, Solomon Hill. Plumley. I don't even remember which one it was. Miles. <laughs> Miles Fleming, sure. Um Okay, so you know. Okay, so I feel like I've got too much scotch in me. I'm gonna dra- I'm gonna brag about draft picks in the, from the past. So Sean Williams, it was a uh, it was a Rajon Rondo. That's what I thought it was. Uh, Solomon Hill, it was uh, a Rudy Gobert. <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, uh, oh, you know, with TJ Leaf, I honestly didn't think necessarily that OG was such an obvious pick. I think that was kind of an IU thing, um, but I did, just didn't like the pick. I just thought that there was other people available. Um, uh, but you know, with Durante, I like him. I, he's like, he, I think he seems like a good basketball player. Um, it's an interesting experiment, maybe that he's so old. Um, that obviously that is the one thing that I think is going to drive this. Cause you know, if he's like one year younger, especially if he's two, but if he's one year younger, I think that a lot of the heat is going to come off of this a little bit. Um, but I like him as a player. So that's good. At 31, is there a, a guy or two that you think is interesting there at 31? With the way that some guys have been sliding, it seems like there might be a really good player there at 31. Somebody like Jared Butler, Jaden Springer, Keon Johnson, some, another wing like that. I know we're only at pick 18 or so, uh, 19 once you see that OKC actually made the pick. But yeah, it just it's going to be really interesting. I have no idea who might be there at 31. Some people are talking about Alex Antetokounmpo. And no way, that's no, way too come early. on, that's <laughs> come so on stupid. now. And and I think to, uh, Tony 
talked about it, and he was saying that he's on the Kings summer league roster. So he is. Yeah, I saw that. How did they even, even have that? He's in the draft pool. Um, oh, New York Knicks trading the 19th pick to Charlotte for a future first round pick. So Charlotte, Charlotte, Charlotte has somebody they want at 19. I bet you it's Kai Jones. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. I'm going out and getting a big. Well, they they draft or they went and traded for Mason Plumley tonight, which was a bit of a surprise. Right, that's a Cody Zeller replacement on the bench. Yeah, and then, like I know that that's been a real big like common Miles destination with the Pacers were to trade Miles. It's, like, it's been Charlotte's been really interested in him. So uh, some people thought that took Miles off the table, but I've also seen that Miles is still you know on the table for teams that have acquired centers, aka the Pelicans. And oh, you got it, Kai Jones. <laughs> Boom. Put me on ESPN. I'll take Perkins spots. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, no, I just, I, I've, I found that those are interesting. And now this might take Charlotte out of the Turner running there with Kai Jones and Mason Plumley, but I, I don't know for sure. I think that new Orleans getting Jonas Valanciunas, he could be another team that looks to acquire miles in a trade, but I just, I don't know. There's a lot of rumblings about Turner being in trade packages, but I've also heard the Pacers are a little bit hesitant to trade him. Uh, Chad Ford talked about that last night on his uh, Zoom with all the uh, subscribers. And uh, one of our Pacers fans has subscribed to that and then messaged me and said that he said the Pacers have been having talks about Miles Turner, but they're a little bit hesitant because they know what that loss would mean to the team. So I, I think that they're going to have to be really blown away with the move to trade him. But there's a lot of smoke around that Brogdon for Lonzo Ball sign and trade move. And I'm just curious your thoughts on that, Dave. Do you like that idea of moving on from Malcolm Brogdon for Lonzo Ball? No, not really. Um, I think that, you know, I, we talked on your pod earlier about, uh, you know, take, trading one of the bigs in particular, Turner, uh, for Lonzo Ball. And that makes sense. You've got a lot of kind of cumulative ball handlers that can work together. Um, and have Ball kind of improved the defense with with Turner leaving. If you're taking Brogdon's place, I mean, you're basically Karis LeVert, point guard for the Indiana Pacers, is is sort of the the move there. Um, I don't know if I trust LeVert that much. You know, if you end up pairing him with Brogdon and Ball, that's really appealing to me. And if you're keeping Sabonis and you put that in the mix, and all of a sudden you might be actually be an excellent passing team without a, a ball-dominant point guard. But Brogdon for ball? That's hard to see for me a little bit. I just don't see how he is the right complement to what the roster that the Pacers have. You've got Lavert and, and Ball hanging out in the perimeter. I don't know. I, I don't really see that fully, and I don't – hate it with a passion, but I'm a lot less enthused about that than the Turner idea. It'll depend to me what else is in the deal. If it's just Brogdon for Lonzo straight up, then it's fine with me. Like I would be happy with that. You get Lonzo for three or four years since it's a sign and trade. So you're, you're getting younger and you're getting a guy under contract for longer. So in that regard, it makes sense. If we're adding extra stuff to the deal, I don't love it as much if that's the only move that we're going to do, I think Lonzo is best off the ball. He's not a point guard in the half court. Um, he's, he's a point guard in transition just because he sees the floor really well, but he, it's going to be a really interesting roster of guys who defenses aren't really scared of with the ball in their hands. And so that's going to come down to either Domas creating a lot of space for everybody else on the roster or, 
seeing what other move is out there to make sense and get somebody who can bend the defense, unlike uh, unlike Lonzo. Yeah, I mean, I actually really like the idea of Lonzo and Malcolm together. That's like a good pairing to me with with Levert, with Warren, with Sabonis. I think that's a good starting five. But, you know, it just it, – there seems to be a lot of rumblings around the Pacers. I think they could make moves this offseason. But it wouldn't totally shock me if they ran it back with the same roster because I just feel like they're not going to make a deal unless they feel like they benefit from it. Uh, that, that's just kind of how they've been. They don't make a move that they feel – is okay. Like I think the Lonzo sign and trade for for Malcolm is kind of a risk, and that doesn't seem like a move the Pacers usually have tend to make uh, a risky move like that. I don't know how much of a risk it is. Um, it it seems like Brogdon's is the better player right now because he can do more with the ball in his hands, but. Lonzo does have some upside as a player who can grow. I mean, he got he got relegated to that off-ball role with Ingram and Zion, and he kind of suffered from that, but it also was kind of an ideal role. So I can definitely see how that would be a move that could backfire pretty easily. Yeah, Dave, any other thoughts on all the rumors that are floating around right now in terms of the Pacers? Boy, there's a lot of moving pieces. I, I expected maybe just a little bit more fireworks in the uh, the draft tonight. Um, haven't seen too much. Obviously, we got kind of a little bit of a preview with with the rush trade, um, which is <laughs> oh, that's awful for LA. I hate that for them. Uh, real quick, Woj just put out Atlanta is keeping its pick at number twenty, and Duke's Jalen Johnson is at the top of the board. So. Everybody's my, especially uh, Cam Reddish and twenty for thirteen is is no longer an option. Yeah, and it's um, that was that was kind of an interesting one with with Cam Reddish. That's a that's a very interesting gamble that the Pacers could have made. Do you think that Cam Reddish is going to be a good basketball player? Yes, I think he will be a starter in the league, and an above average starter at that. Above average at, at some point, at some point. I don't know if it's going to be on this contract even. Oh, wow. So even a, a sort of a Sullivan Hill, but like it works. I'm, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not really sure. He's just, he, he's, I mean, he's just had a lot of things go wrong for him on the Hawks and with injury and all of that. But I mean, coming into the draft, if, there were so many reports about people talking about, okay, so Zion's one, Jaws two, like who's the third best player in this draft? And so many of the players in that draft class were like Cam Reddish, Cam Reddish. And I think somebody, somebody who has their peers speaking that highly of him matters quite a bit. And he's just got, he's just got that upside as a defender where that was Atlanta's option for Chris Middleton and it worked in the playoffs like that just that just matters that's a skill that gets him on the floor keeps him on the floor and it's something that the Pacers don't really have obviously the shooting isn't great but he has had flashes I believe he closed his rookie season a whole lot better than what he started and then obviously last year being pushed around with Herder and Bogdanovich and Gallo and DeAndre Hunter and all that it's just been a little bit rough but it doesn't look like it's happening so I can stop pining over uh, <laughs> well you never you never know I mean it's uh um, they're looking to shed one of those contracts one way or the other, I think. So, um, yeah, 
uh, it looks like something might happen and, you know, talks can still continue in that sense. So you never know. Yeah, I think that you could see something happen there in the offseason still because, you know, Jermaine O'Neal, I believe whenever he got traded to the Pacers, it was like August. So, you know, there was plenty of time in between free agency and the draft where the Pacers didn't get J.O. Then they traded for him in August. So I think, you know, just keep, you know, keep that open. You never know. There's always there's always deals to be had and that. But let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about who the Pacers take at 31 if they do make that draft selection, assuming they keep the pick. Yo, 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 it's your boy, Fachi. And if you enjoy listening to Setting the Pace, then what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle's the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So, if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your favorite team, the Pacers, then make your voice heard and hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply to bwhustle.com join. So check out the description in the box of this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. Let's go Pacers. All right, everybody, we are back, and the Indiana Pacers have traded pick 31 and Aaron Holiday to the Washington Wizards for the 22nd overall pick. And with that selection, they have taken Isaiah Jackson, power forward out of Kentucky. And here to talk to me about that is Dave Cyril from at Miller Time Pod on Twitter. Dave, a little bit surprising here the Pacers go with Isaiah Jackson? Um, Yeah, I mean, it, uh, obviously, I think is I think I, – did anybody – have any sort of inkling or prediction towards this at all? I, I don't think so. Um, I think that people didn't have much of an eye towards big men, and especially at the range of 13. Mm-hmm. You know, there, this wasn't a name that would have uh, would have come up in that uh, conversation. At 31, I don't know if people started speculating about who would be available there, um, but this is just someone that was in a range of picks that, you know, up until immediately before the pick was made, no one thought that the Pacers would have a shot at. So, um, I mean, I think I imagine the whole world surprised that, that, that the Pacers <laughs> ended up getting this guy. Yeah, it was a little bit surprising to see the Pacers select Isaiah Jackson here. I was kind of shocked that Aaron Holiday was the guy traded out in this pick with 31 for Isaiah Jackson. I'm not surprised Aaron Holiday got traded, but. The Wizards were a team that I didn't really anticipate trading for Aaron Holiday, but they do need ball handlers, as J. Michael reported. So young guy here, uh, 19 years old, I believe, and the Pacers did just draft a 24-year-old with the 13th pick, so they go a little bit younger here, get a guy that can play the forward position, and it looks like he was a really good defensive player in college, averaging 2.6 blocks a game. Decent rebounder, only four and a half per game, but he only played 20 minutes, so... I think that defense, you know, Duarte is known for being a solid defender as well. I think defense is kind of the 
thing the Pacers hung their hat on here in this draft. I think that that's um, always going to be – if I'm always looking at, at, at a draft pick, I want to know that they're a solid defender. It doesn't always translate in the NBA to them being excellent defensively if they were pretty good in college. But if you're bad in college, like what are the odds that you're going to make an NBA court? I mean, it's pretty low. Right. So you, I feel like I want to hear that they were decent on defense uh, coming into uh, the league um, as a baseline. But this is a whole different story. I mean, obviously, defense is the reason uh, primarily why they drafted this guy. I mean, they do look kind of the, the per 40 stats thing in college. I don't know why exactly. I mean, who plays 40 minutes at the NBA level? Uh, but I'm too lazy to reduce it to 36 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he averaged five blocks per 40 minutes, which is <laughs> hilarious. Um, you know, and 16 points and 12 rebounds on 55% shooting as a 19-year-old guy at that, you know, if he plays – Domus Sabotis being coached by Nate Bjorker in minutes, then I guess that he's capable of putting that up on in the game. Um, oh, but man. He's, he's the kind of guy that I feel like a lot of franchises have been trying to get and add on the back end of their rotation that ends up being very valuable in the sense that I, mean, I heard people say of center, he's just a big man. He can yeah. play either spot. Most importantly, it seems like he's a guy that can defend the perimeter as a 6'10 guy that can block shots. There's not a ton of guys like that. Um, and if you can get your hands on one, that is a good, viable rotation piece to have. Um, and so right away, being able to just say, all things being equal, you're stuck in a playoff game, some stupid stretch four, is, it's killing you. Then maybe you can throw him out there and you have that tool in the tool shed. Um, at minimum, that's a good thing to have. If he can develop that role game a little bit more, then that ends up taking you know another level of two of value, and um, you know defend the, the perimeter, excellent defense, grab a bunch of rebounds, lots of athleticism and energy, and then maybe be like a solid role man. Um, we've seen a lot of guys go from very low draft stock to huge second contracts by having that kind of profile, and so. Yeah, at 19, that's a pretty good risk. And I think that, you know, obviously Aaron Holiday, I like the pick. I don't know that he's going to be a real NBA player, um, honestly. And so to take all the little pieces in the junk drawer, roll them all in the big ball like you're in Katamari Domasi, and trade it in for a 19-year-old from Kentucky that can block the hell out of shots – that's a pretty good move. I, I find yeah. it really hard to pick that apart. That's what I was just going to say. You know, giving up four second-round picks to move up to 31 from Milwaukee, then they trade that with Aaron Holiday for this guy. I mean, he was SEC all-defense. Chris Duarte was Pac-12 all-defense. So, like I said, really looking hardcore there. And I think another thing that's intriguing is both Isaiah Jackson and Chris Duarte came in for workouts with the Pacers. I, I think the Pacers fans are just, like me, a little bit surprised because Jackson has been mocked a lot of times to teams that need that center position filled. I know that he's listed as a forward at six foot 10, 206 pounds. And I know that we play in this different type of league right now where it's positionless basketball. So he could play the four, he could play the five. You know, it's just, I think he's a guy, like you said, that with that upside, with his ability to block shots and he just has great timing with it, that that's something people are going to keep their eye on. So 
I'm actually okay with the pick. I just, it was surprising to me. I think I tweeted out like we're trading for a center. I was more surprised because of where I had seen people mocking him and what they had said in regards to what position he fills. I know that he was talked about a lot to Brooklyn at 27 because obviously DeAndre Jordan is not the answer there for them and getting some more depth at the center position would make some sense. But if the Pacers are planning on trading one of the centers in the offseason, this makes total sense to get that third string center that could, you know, maybe put some pressure on Goga to develop this game a little bit more. Yeah. And, you know, you say third string center, but I'm kind of thinking kind of second string, second big, you know, I think that there's a very possible chance that you end up seeing him play alongside Goga. I don't see much reason why, obviously, you know, that spacing is kind of an issue there, but you know, you're at the bench. So, you're never gonna have. You're not gonna have perfect spacing in that situation as well. So that's part of. Also, probably gonna see a center traded this off season. So um, you know, I don't know exactly how that's gonna shake out or what that ends up being, but um, uh, that continues to be something um, that um, the Pacers are headed towards and continuing to load up on those guys um, as they head towards that. I think fairly inevitable future um, can be a good thing too. Were you at all surprised the Pacers got back into the first round and took another player here? Because I was thinking they might just keep 31 because of the contract and how cheap it would be. But now I believe this is going to have to be a guaranteed contract since it's a first round pick. Yeah. You know, I just sang uh, the praises a little earlier um, about <laughs> the fact that the pick 31 uh, wouldn't be uh, a guaranteed contract, but uh they had a guy, and they went out and got him. Um, yeah, I think everyone's surprised. I don't think I don't hear a whisper about this from anyone as a possibility in any a corner. So um, I think that um, um, unless you're Kevin Pritchard, you were pretty surprised by this. All right. So let's just talk about Aaron Holiday for a little bit because I feel like over the past couple of seasons, I think most people said he was the best first-round pick of Kevin Pritchard uh, since he's taken over, getting TJ Leaf. Goga Batadze and Aaron Holiday. I know that Goga's still pretty raw, and he's had a couple of rough two years. I mean, with the whole visa thing and then not being able to play summer league in either of those two years, and then COVID last year, then he had some random injuries. I think that his, you know, future is still like a question mark. But Aaron Holiday was a guy that looked really good under McMillan two years ago and really towards the back back half of his rookie season. And then last year just kind of fell out of the rotation with Nate Bjorkren. And I know that – Pacer fans really liked Aaron Holiday as a prospect, but he's moved on to Washington now. Um, what were your thoughts on Aaron Holiday, his tenure here with the Pacers, and what do you think he can do for Washington? Well, you know, I think he showed some flashes. I mean, you said he played well under McMillan. That would be a, a little sharp for me. Okay. Um, he never quite got there. He had flashes, but he never pulled together, you know, two games in a row where he was – uh, it seemed like he was playing at an NBA level. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he certainly has kind of the athleticism and instincts to maybe be a good defender, but he never was. He seemed like he had a shot, but it never really crystallized. And obviously, he started to uh, go in the in the direction of kind of a Tyreek um, Evans when it came to finishing at the rim. And it just was going in the wrong direction. And, um, you know, at the very onset of TJ McConnell being a pacer I remember being upset that he was getting minutes because it's like you got to let Aaron Holiday play and let him develop and like you know TJ McConnell what's that he's so thoroughly outplayed Aaron Holiday that it made it very difficult 
for for Holiday to to really see a future here. And um, by the way, this seems. I mean, I was pretty confident they were let go, Doug go and resign uh, T.J. McConnell, but this seems like it's a lock now that they've they feel like they've got McConnell coming back. I would right. imagine that's the move. I mean, I mean, of course, there's always some veteran point guard you can pick up on a cheap contract if you have to, but um, it would be my guess that he's coming back based on this move. Um, yeah, saw flashes from him. Never really saw it come together for Aaron Holiday, and I think it's a good franchise move. Nine times out of ten, to say this guy had the talent. He got that label of he has a future. He got that sticker on his chest, and then it never came true. So, but some other team is going to be intrigued by that upside. And then get what you can while you can, and I think that's kind of what happened here. And you know that that seems a little bit of a bummer because I like the holiday pick, and it's mm-hmm. it seems like an okay player. Maybe he'll end up being a, a decent veteran backup um, in you know a couple of years. But I you know not shedding a lot of tears from Aaron Holiday leaving, and you know draft yeah. is a crapshoot. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Didn't quite work out with him. Yeah, I think everybody anticipated that he would be included in the trade. Now I think. It's just probably for his – I'm sure he's happy to go somewhere else where he can probably get maybe more of a chance to play because, like you said, when they brought T.J. McConnell in here, the whole purpose, I think, was for T.J. McConnell to kind of be the third-string point guard, that insurance guy behind Collison and Aaron Holiday. They really liked what Holiday brought to the table. Uh, Tyreek Evans one year here, and he did actually play in the playoffs over Doug McDermott in game four against Boston because McDermott was so MIA in that series. But – yeah, I think McConnell really just stepping up and improving over the last couple of years and cutting into all of his playing time hurt his growth as a player. I also think that the constant moving in and out of the rotation with McMillan, I know like some nights he'd be the starter next to Brogdon when they had injuries, and then other nights he'd be coming off the bench and he'd be playing next to McConnell, and that's not a great fit for him. Like I just felt like he was never put in a position here to really thrive, but it just felt like to me that he was just too inconsistent and someone they couldn't rely on. So going out and getting a guy that's really kind of fills a position of need and someone that's a better defender, I think Isaiah Jackson could be a guy that is someone we talk about in a couple of years, like, wow, this is a really nice pickup. I'm surprised we got him here at 22. It's a little bit surprising, like I said, because I wasn't anticipating the Pacers getting a big, but I do like the upside with this pick. And, you know, I wish Aaron nothing but the best in Washington. Me too. I hope he figures it out. He's got the potential to play the kind of defense and smart offense that could keep him in the league a long time. And we'll just see if it if it comes around. It took Justin Holiday a little while too to, to figure it out. Yeah, that's true. So any final thoughts on what we saw tonight in terms of the Pacers' activity in the draft? It's It's still – this is this is this has been a pretty interesting draft, I think. Um, you know, kind of making this move to go up and get a second first rounder um, didn't see that coming at all. Um, having this, you know, digging a little bit into more into Durarte, I feel like no one seems to be talking about the fact that this guy grew up in the Dominican Republic, came to America, went to a JUCO. And then worked his way up to Oregon 
and then became you know obviously the 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 bet, the Jerry West Award for the best uh, shooting guard in college. Um, everybody keeps talking about his age, completely removing the reasons why he was a two year player in Oregon while being you know twenty four years old. Um, it's not the same thing at all. I had a little bit of a sucker for that kind of story um, when it comes to like uh, uh, Pay, I think had a, had a had a more extreme version of of that kind of story. But I am kind of a sucker for it, and being able to cheer for a guy that didn't start playing basketball until late in life and and kind of figured out how to make a path. I, I feel like that story hasn't been told a lot in public. Um, something that I'm kind of picking up on as we're doing this sort of podcast live on draft night. Right. Um, I'm really interested to hear a lot more about that. Cause this isn't just some guy that was, you know, 60th in his draft class stayed in college for four years at a, at a blue chip school, just kind of grinded it out until he ended up having a finally a good season his senior year. And he goes into the draft. This seems like a guy that's kind of clawed his way up. Um, and that seems like a much better explanation as to why the Pacers drafted the 24-year-old than just, oh, they wanted a guy that was ready for the NBA right now. Um, that's a little bit more of a story than it seemed like people were putting out there when they were commenting on this pick. So that's my final thought. I want to hear more about this guy, <laughs> where he come from, came from, because I think there's more to it than he was just old and he had to stick around until he was good enough to get to the NBA. Yeah, no, I think, honestly, I really hadn't heard much about his story. So I'm glad that you brought that up because I think the more and more people hear about his story, I think they're going to fall in love with his work ethic. And, you know, just like you said, the scrap to get to where he is today. So, yeah, I think that's a really interesting story. I'm excited to see what he does for the Pacers. And like I said, to wrap everything up for me, was it the guy that I necessarily had top of my board? No, it wasn't, but he's still a good player that I think can help contribute. Rick Carlisle, I think, had his hand in quite a bit of what the Pacers did here. Uh, I know one of our good friends, Richard Stamen, who is the host of the Locked On NBA uh, Draft podcast, and he also does his work for the Mavs draft. He said Duarte is such a Carlisle pick. So I, <laughs> I, I trust his judgment on that. He's been covering the Mavs for a while and the draft for a while. So I'm okay with it. I think that you know when you brought Carlisle back, your whole reasoning for doing it was – you're putting the trust in him to kind of get a roster that he feels he can win with. And at the end of the day, whoever the Pacers draft, it matters in a sense. But at the end of the day, if we're winning playoff series, we will forget about who they could have taken over, you know, who they didn't take. So that is all I have to say, Dave, any, um, anything else before we sign off here? No, just, it's going to be a long off season. Just remember to, Know what you know and know what you don't. <laughs> take, take a deep breath and know that you'll you'll see them play in the regular season. Stay a little fluid until you get, you you see them play a little bit more in action. You never know when people are going to surprise you. Yep. And one other thing: all the rumors that we've heard all week, nothing really happened in terms of the rumors. So uh, enjoy them while they're rumors. I know that we like to talk about them on here just because it's good to talk about, but. I think now we can just say, hey, you know, rumors are rumors is what they're meant for, but we'll see what happens when the action, the transactions actually happen. So thank you all for joining us on this podcast. And uh, it might not have been your favorite picks, but remember, at the end of the day, this is a Pacers podcast. So we're going to be rooting for this team and hope they can get back into the playoffs. And we will talk to you all later. Peace.